Hello and welcome to the podcast series, The Parenting Journey for Learning from Children. This series is designed to create a space of sharing stories from an open and vulnerable place to support others and also to create a community that's willing to care. I'm Bettina Tornatora. I'm creator of Learning from Children and I'm facilitator on the podcast today. And today I'm speaking to someone who doesn't want to be described as a superstar, Alison. She's a uh, an amazing <laughs> chiropractor, a coach and mentor, and she has a daughter who's 11 and a son who's 13. And um, welcome, Alison. Hi, Bettina. How are you? Oh, I'm very well, very well. Really glad to be speaking to you today. So cool. let's start off. Tell me a little bit about your parenting journey, Alison. I know you professionally, but I, I don't know a lot about you, the parents. So I'm really keen to hear about, you know, that journey that you've been on as a parent and um, we know what's where it's taken you. Okay, cool. Um, So like you said, I've got two kids. Liam is 13 and Coco's 11. And um, when I had the kids, um, Liam was a a little surprise who came into our lives for somebody who wasn't planning on having children. I was quite driven Mm career-wise and he came along as a beautiful surprise. And funnily enough, with perfect timing, you know, we Mm -hmm. look back now and he came into our lives at a time when I was very much in career mode. But my my husband's um, father was actually dying of cancer at the time, mm. and with Phil being the last, the last son in the line, and Nathan, my husband, being the last boy to carry on the Asher name, and mm. all of the things that go with that emotional situation. Um, just as a bit of a backdrop, Nathan had my husband had had t- testicular cancer several mm. years before, and so you know, there's always questions around fertility when yeah. people have had had that kind of surgery and um, the things that went along with, with having testicular cancer. So we were quite happily um, nolly Paris. We weren't planning on having kids. And so Liam came into our life just before Phil died, mm-hmm. which was a beautiful healing experience, I think, for, for, for us as a family, yeah. for him to get to meet his grandson. And had our timing been different, then they would never that opportunity wouldn't have arisen, and so we were all, we were very grateful for um, having our our what we thought was potentially our one child, and um, a couple of years later, as I got into my groove a little bit in, and sort of let go of some of my controlling and high expectations of having children, funnily enough, Liam was a was angel baby, you know, <laughs> his child, baby of the year, and I can often remember swanning about thinking everybody else were idiots because parenting was so easy and um, you just had to do it my way and everything works out perfectly. And then, of course, we had little Coco who um, Liam's birthing process was uh, 12 hours from go to way. You could have plotted it out in a birthing book and it went exactly mm. to plan. Yeah. All right. And so it was lovely. Um, it was a it was a big fella, but it was all very very easy. That I, I didn't really have any pain. I had intensity, but it was just like oh, this thing's a doddle. And we have Coco. She popped out at home unexpectedly. Oh, um, <laughs> had one one little rush and went oh, I think that might be a baby. And so oh. we, I sort of waddled into the bathroom with the head half hanging around and just laid her into a nest of towels, pretty much. So it was oh. a, a very different. And I think that birth pretty much describes both of my children, you know, the, the first angel maybe structured Virgo who just plays by the rules mm. um, with a couple of little quirks played in. But, you know, he's pretty much, he's very black and white and concrete operational type thought process. Mm. And then we've got uh, Coco who is her own little person in very in a variety of different ways and she definitely wanted to make an impact. And 
interestingly, Coco also has a, um, a what we would call and I did check with her the wording and I've forgotten what I'm supposed to say because it's called pyruvate kinase deficiency, which is a genetic um, condition. But she said, don't call it a disorder. She wants me to call it a condition. Mm. So, And she says it's a condition and it's an opportunity is, mm. is her description of it. So anyway, she has this thing which necessitates her having blood transfusions every two months. Right. So very different expectations, especially coming from my um, background as a chiropractor, and I would say that one of the things that I had with me in my early stages was pretty much that if you had um, a nerve system that was functioning at its best, then basically everything would be perfect as compared to, and by perfect meaning by my criteria, as compared to everything would be as it should be. Mm. And so, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, Liam was conceived in... Um, very quickly after we were married, we were probably not very careful with what we were putting into our bodies in terms of we weren't all organic, we were kind of organic. I was still getting adjusted, but, you know, it, it probably was less than optimal conditions because we didn't really think we were ever having kids. And then with Coco, we went through all of the preconception <laughs> stuff you know don't let any computers be anywhere near my my uterus just in case of emfs i don't know we just we yeah. just did everything and then we get a kid with a thing mm. and so it was really interesting and a real comeuppance for me i think in um learning to be flexible to be on the balls of your feet and um realize that the parenting journey journey isn't really a race or isn't something that you tick off but it's yeah. about a bit of a dance you know yeah sure it's is being in it yeah. Yep. And so That's when, my story. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And I love that you, you know, that's exactly my, it's a very similar story for me in that mm. you have these expectations uh, and then things change and you have to not just revisit your ideas on parenting but your ideas mm. on everything be, yes. based on this new information of what the world's really about and that's that's the whole reason behind learning from children is that that pathway of growth that happens because of what's going on with them that you're immersed in anyway so yeah fantastic so when did you know after Coco was born when did you know that something wasn't quite right is it symptomatic Uh, how did you know yeah no um she was um being born at home both the kids that were quite jaundiced and if you look at the stats you know 51 percent of kids are are yellow so Mm. um we didn't know because Liam was born in a beautiful birthing suite um in a in a private hospital um and they were monitoring and watching him because he was quite jaundiced but um they sort of thought well that's okay you know you know, well, Kevin and I. Um, whereas with Coco, um, being born at home, by day three, that had actually accentuated. And we had a midwife come and have a look, and she was quite concerned at how yellow she was. Mm. Um, and so she suggested we get into the hospital. And so um, we did that. And of course, the minute we walked in, it was action stations. Mm. Um, everyone was freaking out. Her Billy Rubin was through the roof. They'd never seen any anyone quite so with Bill Rubin quite so high Mm. and yet she was still responsive and feeding and doing all the things you know how sometimes I say with jaundice children they're obviously they're they're often not feeding and they're quite sluggish she she was doing all of the normal things and and to me as a mum the same as what the other kid had done yeah so I I really wasn't concerned and um I remember they did the bloods and we we went away for a couple of hours while they were getting um, the results back of that Bill Rubin and they called me. It's like you have to get back there immediately. This is an urgency. And they were talking at that point an exchange transfusion. Mm. And we, uh, 
blessed with having an amazing paediatrician. Um, his name's Tom Hurley here on the coast, and he is conservative, I suppose, in his approach. He, he always says to me, Al, I just find that if you do something, sometimes you've got to do something else. Yeah. So he's very aware of the cascade of intervention and he's quite hands-off. So what he did was he, he ordered lights from a variety of different hospitals and put her on, under lights on all, in all directions. Mm. So there was just a little space for us to put our hands in to keep skin contact with her. Mm. And so we just pretty much sat by the bed for about three days um, with her under these bright lights with us getting, you know, suntan on our hands probably but anyway we, we, we just kept skin in contact with her um when we were allowed to have her out momentarily um we did the work that we do um and then we um uh yeah, pumped her full and i took every supplement that i could think of to give her huge amounts of breast milk yeah um and then but she was, wasn't diagnosed at that point we actually didn't die she, we, t- we went home and at three months the jaundice came back and I called Tom and he said, okay, that means it's a thing, which if you look at it, if, if jaundice happens after 24 yeah. hours, that's, that's, that is actually pathology. Yes. Um, and that's when we went off to the children's hospital, who, by the way, were magnificent. Now that I know more about Coco's can, condition, it is quite rare. Yeah. And they were really onto it with diagnosing her very, very quickly. So she had her first transfusion at three months. And then, you know, we've had varying different schedules over time, but we're currently back on a, on a two-month schedule yeah. because she has – um, there, there's ramifications of this sort of stuff, of course, and her spleen is quite enlarged as well as a, a, a big liver yep. um, in, in tolerating and, and coping with all of this stuff. Um, so we're on a two-month schedule to try to calm some of that stuff down. The medical intervention at this point will probably be to try to remove the spleen. spleen. Yep. Um, but Coco at this stage wants to, us to try to keep it. So we, we're in constant conversation, you know, I mean, talking to Coco about her body and what she wants as well as taking into consideration the medical approaches and also with all the other stuff we, we do ourselves. So there's a combination. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really, it's a real handholding, you know, and we just feel quite lucky and blessed that we've been um, able to be with medical professionals who are very respectful of not only our opinions but also Coco's. Mm. And most children with Coco's situation probably get their spleen removed at about four mm. and um, we would like to keep it for as long as we can. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, as everything, we don't ever say never. Yep. We say let's see how we go. Tomorrow's a new day and let's see what, what unfolds, yeah. as all, all parents do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's that that's such an amazing approach to it. And it's, I, I think sometimes it's easier said than done, you know. Sometimes it, mm. um, one of the, the things we, we teach in our workshops is holding this vision for the future. And uh, when you have something uh, physically, an ailment, a condition, whatever it is with your child, it's hard to hold that vision um, and mm. know what it might look like. And, but mm. I think it encourages people to do it even more so because they need something to hold on to um, yeah. that gives them that and- hope. And and I, and I know that the people do tend to future pace with us. They'll say things like, will she have this for the rest of her life? Mm. What about when she gets her period? You know, all of these things. And I say, well, we'll just see. Mm. We were told when she was born that she had a severe form and we would probably need to move next door to the hospital. Where the, you know, and mm. that hasn't been the case. Mm. And, you know, we do lots of support work with her and we, you know, some of the things are a bit out there and some of the things are a little more mainstream, but we do what seems sensible and reasonable at the time and we see it unfold. And I think for us um, 
in that future planning that you said, you know, mm-hmm. every every mum when you I, – I was really – I noticed this language a lot more now when I see people get asked, oh, do you want to have a boy or a girl? And they say, oh, it doesn't matter just as long as it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's a fascinating statement in and of, in of itself. Mm-hmm. Like what is your definition of health? Mm-hmm. Do you have one? Mm-hmm. Do, by healthy, do you mean just feeling good, which is often what society decrees, you yeah. know, saying that, oh, a, a fever isn't a healthy response, for example, so we, we should yes. numb it and dumb it down. Or, you know, because let's face it, if you eat a bad oyster, I, I really want my body to throw yeah, that up. Exactly. I might not be feeling very good, but I would like to vomit that thing up. Yeah. You know, so there's that definition of what is true health. Yeah. But also, what do you mean when you say that? You know, do you mean that? as long as it's healthy, what, you won't love it if it's not? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, let, let's actually have, it, it, sort of evaluate that statement a little bit and think about what's going on there for you mm. and, and for the messages that you're telling your unborn child yes. about expectation and, and also um, maybe rules that they've got to live by. Um, and then once that, that happens, then be aware that it, things will unfold as they, as they will. And for us and I know that you you did um, in a pre-frame to this ask if there was a question of something that was difficult to share. Mm. One of the things for us is that there is um, a very very big for me um, grieving process mm. in um, wanting to have the kid that you made up in your head, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember in the early stages being very strong with affirmations with Coco and I would be over her cot and we'd be looking at what are the affirmations for jaundice, for blood stuff, mm. for, you know, and, and a lot of this stuff in the woo-woo area is all around, you know, mm. um, uh, genetic connection between the mother and the daughter and blah, blah. Mm. So we're saying all these affirmations and I remember laying down and Coco's got, I've got brown eyes and Coco's got big bright blue eyes mm. with jaundice sclera, of course, so that's yellow, but, yes. you know, the, the eyes themselves, the iris is what. And I remember looking down at her little eyes and thinking, hey, you look, you've got these eyes. And I don't every morning lay to, sit down next to you and say, come on, Coco, make those blue eyes brown. <laughs> I just love the eyes that you've got. Yeah. I just I just let her have her eyes. Yeah. And, and her hair and her skin and her body. And then I went, what am I trying to, I'm telling this, this little beautiful little baby that she's wrong as she is and I'm trying to make her different to how she be. Yeah, wow. And I went, you know what, Al, it's time to stop and let her be the kid she is, support challenge do all the things that we need to do with her to to let her have the life that she's got to live but I don't know what, what's in store for that kid mm. and I remember my dad saying really early on he said you know I've got a feeling that kids who have a tough start it's to build some internal resilience it's you know yeah. the butterfly out of the chrysalis you can't help it out you've no. got to let it do its thing yeah there's so much <clears throat> there's so much wisdom in that um just mm-hmm. you know accepting them as they are as a being on mm. so, on their own journey and and as you said mm-hmm. it's it's holding on to them in their full potential and that's really what hold the visions all about is what is their mm. full potential not the potential that you want mm. <laughs> not yes. you know do this say that be this um, but just their own expression, whatever that might be, you know. Mm. And and I, I think you're right there. I think there is a, a grieving process and you've had yours kind of accentuated by the sound of it because of a condition. Mm. But it's, you know, I think everybody needs to go through that process. You know, and I don't know if you've had this yet, but I get a lot of people because both uh, Jim and I, you know, in the same profession, 
And mm-hmm. we get a lot of people saying, so, you know, which one of the boys is going to be a chiropractor? Mm. And, um, you know, and, and they, it's a really interesting question for me. And I've, I've always struggled a little bit to answer it without going, well, bugger off. It's actually not up to me. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but being, you know, trying to find a polite way to say they'll be whatever they want to be in and their own yeah. magnificence. And if that is, if they choose to follow along and do what we did, awesome. But I would say to them the same as I'd say, be passionate about what you do, love what you do, no matter what, if it's what, if it's what we do, awesome. But even then you'll be your own version of that anyway. <laughs> so, but, it, but isn't it a funny, funny thing that you don't say to an accountant, <laughs> which one of your kids is going to be an accountant? <laughs> yes. you, what, what, what is that crazy thing? And I, and I know that part of it is because we do tend to live and breathe chiropractic a little yeah. bit. I mean, and I get that. But when people say to me, you know, which one of your kids? And I say, well, none of my birth kids actually because at the yes. moment it looks like Liam wants to be an astronaut yeah. and Coco wants to be a fashion designer who um, apparently she's got it all worked out. She's going to have a, a thing called a tiny home that's going to be mobile. She's moving it all around Europe and she's going to be a famous YouTuber. So oh, there you, know, you go. She's, she's she's got a profession that I don't even understand. Yeah, so, you know, exactly. So, and I say, so none of my birth kids, but yeah. the thing is, is a whole bunch of kids who come into my practice who are my other kids. Yes, and I'm pretty sure quite a few of them are going to be chiropractors. Yeah. So yeah, I might you know I, help, I put my energy on those guys because yeah. I don't know if my guys want to be chiropractors, more power to them. But yeah. you know, yeah, that's their trip. You know, it, absolutely, absolutely, and it. And I think that that's such an important message because I've now with kids having so much access to so much information um, and really the world is, you know, we are truly, they are truly global thinking. They don't, like you said, Coco's thinking about travelling around Europe um, and that's completely normal thinking today, whereas yeah. even 50 years ago, a kid would may not have thought globally um, in their mm. thought of career and profession, um, what yep. they're going to do with their lives. So I think for us to restrict it in any way, I mean, you know, imagine if you were Mrs. Elon Musk and you said, you know, mm. don't just stay in your in your lane, you know, like mm. Mm. <laughs> don't yep. be don't be launching rockets, you know. That's, yeah, what are you, what are you doing, thinking? you crazy dude? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure plenty of people have uh, uh, said that. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and and the thing too around a lot of that. I mean, we're we, our school talks a lot about um, we're training these children up for careers that don't even exist yet. Yes. So part of their learner profile, they have this sort of this system of learner profiles, and there's all these different criteria. But one of them is that they're curious. Yeah. Another thing is they're risk takers. Yeah. Which when you as a parent when you first come in, you're like, oh, I don't, I'm curious. Yeah, that's not too bad. But yes. curious that he killed the cat. I mean, I think that we've got to put a bit of a lid on that. And then the risk taker. Wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. But you know, and it's all that thing of challenging support. Yeah. You know, like providing them with enough self-knowledge and the things that they need to know um, so that they can feel that they can step into that. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever that, whatever that is, you know. Yes, and and the two of those in harmony can be a beautiful combination for everyone. I mean, think that's where mm. we can really learn from our kids in and, and cultivating those things for them but also learn and go, Oh, where am I not being curious enough, or where am I sitting in a bit of a safe mm. place and not not putting myself out there and putting taking a risk? You know, yeah. so I think there's wisdom in that from them as well. Now, something yeah. we we were talking about before we came on, and I'd love to ask you about that. We were talking about um, referring to people as superstars, and I mentioned it when I <laughs> introduced you. Tell me a little bit about you were saying about your your son. Tell me a little bit about that. 
Um, oh, now I'm going to sound horrible. Okay. No, not at all. <laughs> no, I know. But the thing is, is that we're going to we're going to funny thing at our school, and and um, and, and probably many schools have it, but I, I call it um, crew member of the week. But basically, um, in in junior school, so from um, that's Peter five, every week a child is chosen, and the teachers write a lovely little blurb about the kid, and they come up on stage and they collect their award as being you know student of the week. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say Liam's been, he's got great attention to detail and his maths is going great and blah, blah, blah. And he comes over and gets his award. And in grade one, Liam said to me, he got his award. And I said, oh, that's great. And he said, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, everyone gets one. And I said, well, yeah, eventually. But isn't it nice that they, you know, acknowledge you and, and notice you for the things that they see as being your strengths? And he said, yeah, but, you know, the, the the award that means something is once it's been through the whole class, because there was 22 kids in the class, once it's been through the 22 and there's still weeks left, if you get the second award, that's the one that means something. And at the same time, we were doing things like they were going in little, you know, running events, cross-country, athletics type stuff, and everyone gets a, a ribbon. And yeah. Liam came home with a ribbon. And I said, oh, cool, you got a little ribbon, you know, you got a ribbon for your thing. And he said, oh, but it was just a, a certificate for showing up doesn't yeah. actually mean anything, Mum. And so he was quite um, knowledgeable about that at a very young age. And I think part of the reason is because I'd read a study about children who had been told that they were all that, you know, yeah. you're the superstar. And almost like, good job for breathing, you yeah. know. Oh, look at you. You're eating. Yes, you're amazing. And I get that feeling that parents would want to encourage and especially when they're little and we yes. you know hey, you're running that almost running commentary anyway yes. oh, look at you you've just got a little thing you just yeah. food all over me isn't it magnificent yes. cool bodily processes yeah. oh wow it's, isn't that child amazing um but the thing was is I remember Lean bringing me a, a picture and he was only in kindy and now I'm going to sound like I'm horrible but he'd done this and it, literally he never did pictures he wasn't interested in drawing it wasn't his thing he was much more an outdoor play kid yeah. but he did this little scribble and I saw him do it it was Seriously, it was just a scribble. He brought it to me and handed it to me and said, is that good? And I said, what do you, what do you think? And he said, yeah, well, what do you think type thing, waiting for my, <laughs> me giving him the pat. And I said, well, it's not that good, is it? And he sort of looked. And for a minute I thought I'd broken his heart. But then he went, yeah, I just kind of scribbled. And I said, yeah, you did, didn't you? And he said, I reckon I could probably do one that's a bit better. And I said, well, you do what you want to do and don't expect yeah. me to say things are good when they're actually a bit crap. Yeah. And so... <laughs> You know, and I probably think I've got a bit of an attitude with that in as anything. Like I, I do my best. Yeah. You know, I, I try to be um, a, a great. I try to look after myself, and then I'm available for Nathan. I try to be that we're we're solid and we're good parents, and we and we're good to each other, and then we're available for for our kids. And I try to be the best chiropractor I can be, and I run seminars for women. I try to do my best job there. But ultimately, sometimes I'm just a bit shit, you yeah. know, and I think that that's just how I am. And so I want to bring that to the kids' attention that you do, you have a good go. Yeah. And sometimes you do do your best and sometimes you don't do your best because yeah. sometimes you're a bit tired or you just wake up and you, and as my, my friend, I've got a Scottish friend and her nan used to say, sometimes you just wake up and you're a bit gurney and <laughs> you just, you're not feeling the love and it's not always awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I and think parents, so, you know, that's so important in that there's an honesty in that and, yes. you know, it's one of the things I love about you, Alison, is that you, you've just got this raw honesty that you just tell it like it is. And um, and I think that our kids, if you if you build that in them, what it does, and I often hear, you know, when I'm, I'm writing at the moment our teenager program 
and uh, it's not for teenagers, it's for parents yes. trying to survive it. Um, but it's, yeah. it's really interesting because one of the concepts a lot of people have is, you know, their kids will get to adult looking size and they'll be mates with them and mm. they'll have this friendship. Now, what I know mm. about friendship is a lot of it's built on trust. Most relationships yeah. are built on a sense of trust. But if you have not built that in at the beginning, and I think this is where the honesty comes in, um, and we all will deliver it in our own way, um, mm. that what that does is it builds a sense of when you say to me, I'm really happy with you, I'm proud of you, that's a great job, then it's the truth. Yeah. It's not just because you're my mum or my dad that you have to say that, right? Yeah. Um, your opinion actually then gives weight and that's when you can actually develop something that looks more like a friendship when they become adults and yeah. it's got that and sense I, re- of, I read a book yeah. um, by Tony Buzan. It's called, I think, I mean, I read a many, many yeah. parenting books because, of course, I was going to have the perfect children. So, you know, you know that was all, all – must read every parenting book. And it's called – I think it's called Brainchild. And he talks about that beha- betrayal of trust. And when you say to your child, um, as an example, like, you know, that threatening behaviour, yes. don't make me come over there, yes. or if you do this, then I will do this to you. Okay, yes. cool. Right, that, that's, a, that's a strategy. If you then don't do that and don't deliver, then the kid says, my parent lied. Yeah. And then the next time you say to them, I love you, how do they know? Yeah. How do they know when you're lying and when you're telling the truth? They don't. And so for me, I'm not going to say a thing to my kids and say that something's amazing when it's kind of okay because one of my one of my things I've I've got a real real big thing a real passion for for, I do a lot of reading about grit and perseverance I read a lot of stuff about the army seals because I think that probably more important than ticking off boxes and saying that you did this and did that is sometimes getting down in the dirt and having grit. Yeah. And I say to my kids often, you can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you'll fail and sometimes you'll hit the thing that you wanted to hit, but ultimately you can do hard things. And last week Coco got a transfusion and normally what happens is when we go in, we're there forever. You know, we go in (laughs) and we've got to get some blood. So first thing is that you've got to get, you know, all the weights and measures and then you get a cannula put in, which is her most stressful moment. Put the cannula in, take out some blood, go cross-match it, come back with the transfusion, you know, a couple of hours later. So we're there probably for 12 hours potentially for maybe like a four-hour process, but that's just how how it rolls. Well, this week they were actually waiting for us. So normally we get, we get in and we, we it's like a hotel. We check in, we say hi to our nurse friends because yeah. everyone knows Coco. She's spoiled, you know, like it's all. It's she's like the, and talking about superstar, she's like the little pet of that hospital. Which uh, you know, we we talk a lot about this secondary gain about what her pyruvate kinase deficiency. There are always gifts, and there's a lot of secondary gain for her in this. So mm. anyway, that's a probably a whole oh, other talk. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, because um, we're, we're down, in, down in the dirt with that at the moment about what she gets out of this. Anyway, so because she's 11, we can now start to have those conversations in a bit more of a mature fashion. But one of the things, so we've walked in, doctor's ready to cannulate immediately, and she was unprepared for that. Mm-hmm. And so she burst into tears. And, you know, sometimes there's a tear when they miss a vein or, you know, and we've got to go in again and all of that sort of stuff. But pretty much she's fairly stoic with it by now. She, yeah. she knows the process. But this was a, a, a variation to the process. And so I said to the doctor, I said, can I take a minute? I'm just going to take her out. I just want to reframe this for her. So we walked out and I said to her, okay, tell me um, what the upset is. And she said, I'm just not ready. And I said, okay, great. So that's the first thing. And how does that feel? Mm. Because, you know, a lot of time we say, oh, you're okay. And I was like, well, she's not okay. She's crying. Yeah. 
And yeah. I said, so tell me, what, tell me what's, what's underneath that. And she said, I like to get myself ready. And I said, okay, great. So does it take a certain amount of time or does it take a mindset? And she said, I have to get it in my head. I said, okay, let's look up. Because you know how when kids look up, yeah. it takes them out of where they're at and brings them out of that. So I said, let's look up at the, as high as we can. Right, so um, and we went into a room that you could see outside because the hospital was all fluoride lights and whatever. So she's looking out and I said, okay, look up, breathe in and breathe out. So let's get it. So all right, you know you can change in a, in a heartbeat if you choose to, so let's get ourselves ready. And I said, and I know this is different and I know that this probably feels a little bit different but I, and a little bit hard, but I know you can do hard things and you know that because we've done this a lot. And she said, okay, so she breathed in and breathed out. I said, it's okay to cry. I'm not going to tell you not to cry. You have your emotion that you've got to have and we're going to do it now. Is that okay with you? And she said, yeah, it is. I said, I'm glad you said yes because it was going to happen anyway. She mm. said, I know. <laughs> and we walked in, you know. And so, and away we went. Yeah. So yeah. it was that thing that, you know, we don't want to negate their emotions. Yeah. Because we know, if you read the brain that changes itself, we know that this happens with children. They get yeah. told, this is good for you. And then all of a sudden, she's got something in her neurology that says, oh, pain is good for me. And it's okay for yes. bigger people to hurt me yeah. because that means they love me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm, not, I'm never going to say that to that kid, right? It's just no. the same as a kid who who doesn't want to lay on our table one day to get their spine checked and yeah. the parent wants them to and they say, hold them down. I say, no, I will no. not do that. Yeah, we exactly. It's not okay for an adult to do that. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, you know, that, that sort of thinking, that approach, uh, it translates. You know, I look at um, a few weeks ago we had um, one of our boys, uh, you know, he's 18 and he was going through his first relationship breakup. Mm. and um you know just um, you know we were so proud of the way he was doing it because he actually was the one who made the decision um that it wasn't right for him and and he mm-hmm. just ha- he had that awareness he just came to that place of going you know what this isn't right for me I'm not who I want to be with this person and mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't see the future together and mm-hmm. so he you know literally had to rip the band-aid off and mm-hmm. you know his choice in that moment was to get down in the dirt and go I know this is going to be painful and uncomfortable but I have to have yeah. this honest conversation even though I know it might actually even hurt somebody else but that's the only way I can mm. do it because I can't live in that place where I'm pretending everything's fine um, yeah because, you know, sometimes it's not. And even the process after that of feeling the pain of it, you know, and it did take a yeah. few days and it's still, you know, it's still when he talks about it, it's still got some pain around it. But he ultimately knows he's made the right decision for himself because he did it from an empowered place, you know. Yeah, and that primary responsibility to self, which yes. I think that, you know, it's, and Anne Rand talks about it, she's got a whole book called The, the Virtue of Selfishness, which yes. is often seen in this society as being a negative thing, but we call it self full. Yes. Um, and so it's that thing of saying, well, if I look, you know, the oxygen mask comes down, you're supposed to put it on yourself first. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you're available. Yes. And so you're with your boy. If he doesn't, no one wants to be in a relationship with somebody who's yeah. knowing that they that that's not for them. No, exactly I mean, right. He's, he's given that partner a gift. Yes, absolutely, and and himself you doesn't know, feel like a gift at the time. No, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, it, absolutely, and and honoured his own his own needs as well, and that's you know, uh, and you never know, you know, when you when you're bringing up kids, you 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 know, you hope that that's that they'll be able to approach things like that. But you really don't know. You don't know how they're no. going to handle things and how they're going to no. manage it. Um, if they're going to have the grit and the resilience that they do need to get through whatever they've got, um, you know, and that's really the hope that I always held is, you know, whatever you're going to face, 
and just hope that you've got enough tools to face and if not that you grow them real quick um yeah and realize that there's resources though you know like and that's the other thing too you know like we talk about there's a cult of happiness that's getting around at the moment isn't it you you get a type in type in happy how to be happy or whatever the words are and there's a billion books on it and all the rest of it and i i say to my guys i'm saying like happy is an emotion and you can choose it it, it's a decision you say i will do happiness today and yet the studies show us that what people really want is a good life. Yeah. And, and that usually translates to a life of self-fullness but also some form of service and connection, you know, and how can we get connected to other people? We can connect to ourselves. We can look at the, the dark side or the shadow mm. side or for your boy that it might be to do his thing, he's got to hurt someone else potentially but mm. ultimately – we all transform you know and so then he's available for connection on that greater level and yeah I think that's imperative and 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 it means perseverance it means sometimes sometimes winning sometimes losing but it means ultimately just working through it and I think that that's you know a lot of what Coco has has taught us yeah is that it's not always the easiest option and and we have funny times because when she gets the blood um she says that she feels different and she and we talk about what kind of person she gets. Yeah, right. So because, um, you know, it's someone else yeah. in it. Yeah. And there was, when she was younger, it was quite noticeable. And the doctors would say, oh, it's just different because there's different alleles and it just depends on which match it was. I'm like, okay, but I've got this kid at home and I know she's different. Yeah. Wow, that's Sounds- amazing. Yeah, and so this time she said to me, we, we got blood, on, like I said, on last Thursday, and she spoke in possibly the most annoying high-pitched voice all the way home in the car and it's a 40-minute drive and I said Coco I've probably had enough of the high pitch you know how I am with high pitch and she said oh well I think I got a nine person's blood and I said I think you're using that in excuse and I think you're just doing annoying and it's working and she's just killing herself up and thought it was a funny thing because she's a bit high I think probably with all yeah. of this blood being pumped into it and the relief she didn't have a reaction. She got blood that worked. The cannula was in. You know, like yes. there's a little bit of a we, – we say goodbye to that hospital and it's almost like uh-huh. oh, for two months we don't have to think about you again. You know, yeah. there's a little bit of that. So, but it, it is, And it's funny, but it, she came to me yesterday and she said, you know, interesting. She said, I know I said I had annoying people blood. And she said, but I, I've actually noticed I'm a bit airy-fairy this week. I said, well, that's interesting. Mm. And I said, so what do you want to do? And she said, oh, I think I might want to kind of do some grounding stuff over the week. And I'm like, okay, and what would that be like? And she said, oh, I think I just want to just get out in nature and, you know, maybe we'll go to the beach and I don't know, maybe we may, you'll do me an essential oils with some with a grounding blend. I'm like, okay, let's try that then. Yeah, and so nice. we just say, well, let's let's see what she's got. You know, she's um, a funny little funny little teacher. You know? that, that is that is beautiful. I love that she has that kind of self awareness, and and I'm sure the condition has driven her to that. But I love that yeah. you're cultivating that because so as you know, you know we we see this all the time that when when there is health challenge and the, the body mm-hmm. has a challenge, um, you know, there's so easy to slip into this helplessness, this mm-hmm. uh, powerlessness, lack of choice sensation for people. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. can lock into that really early, especially if it's childhood. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, we, we definitely have conversations and that even with the transfusion, like to, that we say, um, like we go, her hemoglobin goes quite low. And um, and she, I remember once, at, maybe she was about five, she said, I have to get a transfusion. I said, well, actually you don't. Mm. 
we are choosing to get a transfusion because you're quite fractious. Um, you, you're not coping particularly well with the day-to-day. You've had a couple of little, um, you know, health challenges around, you know, e- expressions like there's been a runny nose and then mm. you did a fever, which also kills off blood, red blood cells, by the way. So, yay, yeah, yeah. double whammy. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I said, and so we're choosing. We're choosing that. Yeah. And you don't have to. And she said, if I didn't get blood, would I die? And I said, well, when the hemoglobin goes really low, like when you get 40 and under, there is there is a chance that you would have a heart attack, then I suppose, yes, that could be, and I would see that as unacceptable risk. Yeah. But it's always still a choice, mate. It's always a choice. Mm. And so we've always worked with that, just the same as when, you know, I go down to my office. Mm. I say, hey, I'm choosing to go to, to play with a purpose or, or some people call it work, whatever you call that place that you go to yeah. where you earn your, earn your money. I, I choose to yeah. and have to go. And so that's part of that. I think that when you're talking about empowerment, that's part of one of the things that we've wanted to talk to her about and, and to both the children is that these things are choices. Yeah. And, and you know, that flows on. You know, I know people listening will be maybe not in that, in that circumstance with a body, but, you know, there's so many choices that a, a kid making so early now. You know, the kids are making really big life decisions about what they put in their body, who they hang out with, what they expose themselves to. They're actually making those choices all the time. So um, knowing that they have an empowered choice, you know, one of the things I, I talk about a lot is one of the strategies that worked really well for us is answering questions with yes. So, yeah. for example, can I have a beer? Yes, when you're 18 or yes, when you're whatever, you know, whatever the answer might be that works for you. The answer is yes, you can, maybe not right now, you know, but actually giving that empowered yes mm, and, and yeah. then, or then going, yeah, you can. Here's the choices that I, the way I see them. And, yeah, know, and this is model might be like, yeah. yeah and so. it's, and it's, an, it's, like, it's a muscle, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like get some runs on the board. Yeah. Get good at making decisions. If you, if you want to be a, a swift decision maker, then make lots of fast decisions and do, do funny little things like, will I sit here or here? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it might be. You know, like actually it, it, it's head floor, isn't it? Neurons that fire yes. together, wire together, and we know the pathways get stronger. Yes. And so the more that we can actually help us to understand that there is choice and then there are a plethora of decisions that we can we get to make on a daily basis yeah and they are choice you know and that we get better at it and then you know then we can trust ourselves and our kids can trust themselves that they can make good choices you know especially with what i mean you know your kids are a little older than mine but we're just about to enter the the social media melee and you know and i'm an oversharer so fair chance i mean they'll i'm Probably they'll go 180, won't they? They'll probably go. That's usually what you do. Do the opposite to your parents. But you know, there's there's a strong possibility that we've talked, you know, pre-framing because we know we're near it. We're not near it yet. But about what's appropriate to share online and what and what the future ramifications of that might be, based on a guess. Because I mean, I have a funny feeling that people won't even care about your social media profile in 10, 20 years because everyone would have done everything on the internet, so it doesn't even matter anymore. (laughs) Yes, and you're right. It's that's where that's where it starts to. It is a muscle that it it does grow, you know. And I and I always say, I still always. I always encourage people with younger children is not little tiny ones because that will just do your head in on a day-to-day, mm. but create mm. situations where they have a choice. You know, yeah. actually create those, manufacture those if you like and say, okay, yeah. here's the choice. Um, what yeah. do you want to do? How do you want to spend this time? Or, you know, yes, there's a choice in what you eat today. You know, you can yeah. have that or you can have that. Um, well, and we, actually, we try to make them a few choices too because I yeah. found with, especially with Coco because she was um, – 
very specific about some of the things that she wanted to do that we made it not just either or yes we made it a variety of choice so you know if not just you can have wear this dress or this dress because that puts her into a dilemma yes you know die meaning two yes. and so not being able and, and then they're almost stymied sometimes yeah so there was that and some of the decisions were seemingly quite small but the thing was the reason why we did that for her because we knew that she was going to have to be making some decisions probably big ones about her body um and we wanted for her to know that she could always take time she can say "I'll, i'll get back to you on that yeah you know and not feel pressured to make the decision in the moment but also that there is infinite possibilities yeah. And so there's a there's a range of choices and some of them, like you said, are not for necessarily for today um, and some of them are for consideration for, you know, the next few days and some of them we do actually need to action on so we will need to be on it, on the balls of our feet around those ones so that we could sort of work with that if that yeah. makes sense so yeah. that we're not because because uh, schooling these day these days I think and probably always it's tick the box yes or no it's yeah. a it's a dialectic it's yes or no good or bad right or wrong and and the paradox of that and that's mature thought of course is to be moving to there's paradox yes so yeah. just as much as there's yes there's there's just as much no you know and yes. so it's about actually being able to embrace <clears throat> and Liam our, our our Virgo rule boy is the one who is fascinating to watch because he's so much fun to watch him get into that he he does he, he loves the dialectic he tests well you yeah. know he yeah but when it comes to um thinking outside the box he's got a quirky train of thought and yet he's still almost operating along a um you know what all those things that we, we did at uni um, where you do the little um if this, then this, you know, is a yes. diagnostic protocol. What, that, what are those things um, called? I forgot the word. Yeah, no, I can't either, but I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Little flow charts, yes. you know, where you put it in at the top and you get to the bottom. And, yeah. and sometimes I can watch his little brain and I say to him, mate, it's, it's like it is your own adventure though. There's ho- heaps of different choices. And he says, but they're not infinite. And I say, yeah, there's infinite possibilities. And it does his head in. <laughs> Yes, but I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know all of them before I decide. So, anyways, oh, but yeah. that's amazing. It's fun. It is, and thank you so much for being here talking with us today. Because I think you know we've just covered on so many amazing topics. It's just been just been cool. awesome. So yeah, really, really appreciate it. And I think you know that energetic that you're bringing to the way that you pair, and I think um, we can all really learn something from that. So I really appreciate you sharing. Cool. Wow. Thank, thank the kids. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Not me. I'm just a pawn. <laughs> yes. I know that feeling for sure. Yeah, cool. All right. So, thank you. No worries. So thanks to everyone for joining us today. I'm sure you've got loads out of that. And if you want any more information about Learning From Children, please go to the website, learningfromchildren.com or catch us up on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, enjoy your learning.